Good morning. This is Ellie Newman, and you're listening to It's Relationship. My guests today are Steve Bihal and Jenny Catchpole. Jeannie and Steve are partners in art and life. Steve is a film, television, and theater actor from Canada, award-winning photojournalist, painter, and writer. Jeannie is also a native Canadian, has spent her lifetime pursuing her creative impulses, and in her words, she's also the den mother to 14 type A personalities in her Sun Valley boutique real estate office that she runs. She loves painting and writing, and she knew she wanted to be an artist at age five. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. I feel a little bit like the host of the dating game. We've got Steve and Jeannie. I've already learned a lot about them. Um, They were wondering if they were going to hold hands or kick each other during the interview, and I'm guessing there might be a little bit of both. We'll see. Hopefully that'll make a good show. So welcome, Steve. Welcome, Jeannie. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for joining me. You should have had Steve do some uh, breath exercises with us for the beginning. We're all saying it's a little nerve-wracking starting up on the radio, see if everything's going to work, how it's going to go. So I want to talk about your relationship, but I'll get to that a, a little bit later in the show. I first want to just say just a little bit about it to set the stage that you met in 1984 while Steve was working as a professional photographer and Jeannie was working as a graphic artist. They then discovered they'd grown up only 40 miles apart and had attended the same art college at the same time Sheraton College. But one question on the relationship before we, we move on to sort of your single careers and delve deeper after that to the relationship. Did did sparks fly when, when you met that first time? I would say Jeannie's going to start. Well, not for me. I was happily married at the time with a six-year-old son. Um, I found Steve incredibly charming, um, but I just didn't go there. You didn't go there, but was there a a head turn or a notice or something that you thought you know, just when you meet anyone in life that that maybe you are going to be connected in some way or energetically you feel there's some connection right off was did you notice him there, yeah, absolutely <laughs> i noticed him um first of all he was he was gorgeous so i certainly noticed him but also um we were working both of us were working on the um, Canada's Cup event which was very exciting it's a match race between the US and Canada and it was in Toronto um, at uh, Royal Canadian Yacht Club so there was a lot of excitement around that and after the race ended we spent probably three years on projects together when I had graphic design projects where I required a photographer for studio shoots I would hire Steve and we had lunches together a lot and got into a lot of really interesting conversations I was just going to ask if you felt you'd gotten to know each other at that during those three years definitely not at all okay I was just going to say okay it's Steve's turn Steve's turn well first of all it was really interesting because as Jeannie said she hired me for all her studio shoots I'm not a studio photographer. I've never been a studio photographer, but I did studio photography uh, because we had a really good time together and we were able to bring something very different to uh, the uh, enterprise, whatever it happened to be. My background was predominantly in photojournalism. I was working for newspapers and magazines. I was doing a lot of public relations work and uh, it was a lot of fun. And I was um, uh, probably as single as anyone could be in those days. Um, but whether I noticed Jeannie, absolutely I noticed Jeannie. Uh, she was gorgeous, and she still is. Uh, but we were young, and we were both in, going in very different directions at that time. Okay, so there was a spark. I'm saying there was a spark. Uh, so nearly 25 years later, you reunited and fell in love and uh, got married and, and, and many more things. Um, 
let's talk a little bit now about the the romance. Uh, you hadn't you'd seen each other for those first three years, but we're talking twenty five years later. Was there a twenty two year lull, or were there still times within that period that you guys had reconnected? I had forgotten his name. We. I had moved to maybe not the face or the uh, body ne- never <laughs> never the face and never the connection but I'd forgotten his name um as my life rolled on and I moved to Sun Valley and I'd been here for oh gosh um maybe 20 I can't remember how many years um but there was just a moment when I was working on a canvas that I thought who is that guy I used to hang out with in Toronto and I was single then. I was, he was kind of cute. He was kind of cute. I wonder if I, I could him. find him. I wonder if he's now married, got kids. I had no idea. But I did look him up. I was going to say, so you took a step after having that thought? I Googled him, and there he was, B- Steve B. Hall Photography. So I emailed him. And I'm going to pause that for a moment, then Steve. But what brought you to Sun Valley from Canada? Um, it was basically work for my the my husband at the time he got a job with power engineers and was that a big shift for you it was a huge shift it was it was moving 2300 miles east to west canada to the u.s um pacific northwest mountains i'm from the great lakes area Um, it was a huge shift for me and were you still active at that point in your life with your art and did that shift your your ability to produce art and and to to sell art when you moved to america it didn't um, change my production it changed my style absolutely i went from realistic watercolors within a very short period to um, expressionistic artwork and then into abstract large abstracts Um, but i basically lost my market in canada because the people who were would normally want to buy realistic watercolors weren't interested in abstract acrylic so and, it was a whole new market and was that a shift just of you maturing in your artwork or was that also a reflection of sort of your emotional state with such a big shift in your lifestyle i'd say all of the above i think most artists start with basic um schooling and realism and perspective and, and that sort of thing and then we want to get back to painting like a child Okay, so Steve, you get the the email, you get the ping. Uh, Do you remember who Jeannie is? Do you remember her name? And and what were you thinking at the time? Oh, I remember exactly. And uh, um, it was a little overwhelming because I was just in the middle of ending a relationship at the time. And I wasn't about to get involved in any way, shape, or form with any woman, regardless of the history or the attraction or whatever. So... Too dangerous. <laughs> Just a, Wrong, exactly. Beep, 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 danger, Will Rogers. Stay I, away. I had a lot of emotional content to deal with. And uh, so I did respond, but it took me six months. And uh, I said, so you're coming to Toronto? And Jeannie said, uh, well, I've been and gone, but I'll be back next year. And I said, great. I'll be about ready by then. I'll be about, exactly right. <laughs> and had that relationship, because it had been 22 years, had you been primarily single in those 22 years or had you sort of settled into one or number of of more um intense and monogamous relationships i um had been involved in numerous relationships i was married once for a very short period of time um and uh Jeannie's laughing and uh kindly not at yeah, you n- it no, was extremely short <laughs> 
Well, he was testing those waters. Let's just see what this well, feels that's like. Right. That's huh, exactly I don't like right. that. That's exactly right. Uh, and so, and so you had six months to prepare or a year. When were you coming back? And did you guys continue to email each other within that time? Not at all. No. No. In fact, I just thought he hadn't responded oh well. And then when he responded, he, I did get a response six months later. I thought, well, that's weird. But I archived it and uh, did email him. Archived it literally or in lit- mentally? I, lit- <laughs> well, maybe both, but literally because he he now was, was using his real email address as opposed uh-huh. to his website uh-huh. email address, uh-huh. which I thought was more accessible. A social media shift. So I just shifted it over. Poignant. And when I planned my next trip, which was like, I think in um, May of 2008, after I had sorted out, I went for three weeks and decided when I was going to visit everyone else. I had four days open. So then I emailed him and said, okay, I've got these days. Do and you so get was, together? was that strategic? I mean, were you preparing yourself? Because you have to have been building up sort of both the sense of who knows what this guy's like now, but also, wow, like I really connected with him. I really liked him. This could really be something. And that's, that's scary. It, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was totally curious, had no idea. But then when I did um, pull up his his website. They're touching now, not <laughs> kicking. When I pulled up his website and saw him again, it you know, it sort of flooded back that, oh, yeah, man, he's even better looking. And how could that be? Because we're like, you know, so much older. And um, I was really curious, really curious. Did he get married? Does he have kids? I had no idea. And so how did you decide to meet in, in what way and where? Well, I was asking him, what, so here's my little block of time. And I, I suggested we meet for a cup of tea as opposed to an alcoholic beverage, you know, so like in the morning. Strategic. And um, he emailed back that he would either meet me at such and such, you know, corner of King and Parliament or on Toronto Island. And I thought, hmm, if he's on Toronto Island... He probably now has his own boat. We're both sailors. And um, and then I actually spoke to a friend about, I don't have a clue if this man is attached at all. And uh, and they just said, if he's on a boat on the island, he's single. <laughs> <laughs> they were right. All right. So, Steve, are you, are you thinking, is this a big deal or is it just maybe a cup of tea? Uh, 20 years before, Jeannie and I would uh, we'd go out on dates. And we would go every four, eight weeks. We'd have a movie day. We'd just both take a day off. In Toronto at the time, they had 252 Tuesdays. And we would go to movie houses. And we'd see three, four films in the course of a day. We'd meet for breakfast. And we'd go from one movie to another. Um, I'd like to see a lot of foreign films. And we agreed on the kinds of films that we saw, which to me was a a real cultural kind of deep intellectual empathetic bonding that had happened. And and we'd we'd talk about them. We wouldn't always agree on them, but we'd have really great conversations. So because of those encounters, um, I think we got to know each other on on a pretty sophisticated level. And I didn't really know what to expect 20-odd years later, but I thought, it's going to be very interesting. Regardless of what happens, this is going to be very interesting. 
All right. So first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the collaborative six by eight art piece in a screenplay, which we're going to get to in uh, just a little bit. We're going to take a short break. This is Ellie Newman. You're listening to It's Relationship. I'm here with Steve Beha and Jenny Catchpole. We're talking about their relationship in life and in art. We'll be back in just a moment. So stick with us. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back. This is Ellie Newman, and this is It's Relationship. And Steve was asking if we were finished with the Harlequin Romance <laughs> Bar <laughs> Show, which he knows something about. He, he photographed many, many covers for I the did, Harlequin indeed. Romance books. And I don't know if they gave him free copies. He was reading them as well. We'll have to find out about that. And, and on that note, I think we'll start with talking a little bit more in depth about Steve's career. Uh, so Steve, as I mentioned, photographer, film and television and stage actor, started painting in high school. Uh, 1970 was at Teachers College and then Sheridan for film and photography. And from 1976 to 2013, um, in number of wide, wide range of, of photographs from Al Gore, Peter Jennings, Debbie Harry, and, and again, the dozens of Harlequin romance book covers, which I think when he shot them, they would tend to sell out. And uh, one was even banned. Thank you, Missouri. <laughs> exactly, right? Those things can be beneficial. So how did you get into photography from sort of you began painting in high school? And how did, how did that develop and then into photography? What led you there? The, the painting was really just um, a preoccupation. It was just something that I was doing on the side. Uh, when I was trying to figure out what I would do as a career, I always thought, you know, if I could take one photograph a day and travel around the country in a Volkswagen bus and sell it for 25 bucks, I'd be fine. Uh, the fact that they offered a film course at that college uh, was a bonus because I thought this would be great. I could get into the film business, all this sort of stuff. I mean, you have to realize that this was uh, 69. I had just uh, been to Woodstock and our world was very different then than it is now. So, um, Things didn't play out that way. I ended up working in newspapers. They had, in fact, dropped the film portion of the program at the college after a short period of time because uh, they didn't have enough attendees. So I stayed in the photography portion, got a job as an architectural photographer's assistant, got a job in a weekly newspaper, and then started freelancing, working for the Toronto Star, working there as a film editor for a short period of time, didn't like being behind a desk, and went out and got corporate clients. Uh, it was a really fun time. It was a really exciting time. I learned a tremendous amount about the world by working for a newspaper. If you want to learn about the world, get a newspaper job, because you just... Kings, queens, prime ministers, the best and the worst of humanity. It's, it's a real eye-opener. Uh, from there, I just came to feel more and more fearful of being in front of the camera. I wanted, I didn't want to be behind the camera anymore, but there was this tremendous fear that was building in me. And uh, I thought, I need to start taking acting classes. I need because to you wanted it. to face that fear? Yeah, absolutely. It was a challenge. I thought, you know what, I have done everything that there is to do in this business. I've been in it for many years at that point. I was in my early 30s, and I thought, do I want to spend the rest of my life continuing to take the same sort of photographs that I've been taking now? I wasn't about to become a war correspondent, 
And to me, that is probably one of the most worthwhile undertakings in terms of photography. I tremendously admire those people. That and, and it wasn't appealing to you for what reason? Uh, it just scared the bejesus out of me. You know, I wasn't about to go there, and I thought... I'm done with photography. And so it seems like from the beginning you've taken a practical and sort of measured approach to your career in art, which is not always the combination of creative artist with sort of making thoughtful um, and tactical decisions. And so do you feel like that's been your personality sort of all along? You know what you like, what you don't like, and you're driven and you put the pieces together as how to get there? I think the driven part is correct. I think that a lot of my life has, my early, the early part of my life was uh, fear-driven. And as I tried to break that down and, and I tried to challenge that fear, I became more and more open to who I am and what I can produce. Fear-driven in that you made your choices out of fear, uh, it, because of your fears or fear-driven in that you recognize your fears and you wanted to face them and so you made choices almost to spite them and to conquer them? Because those are two very different places and very different results. Yeah, certainly Because you've been extremely successful, it sounds, from the get-go. Well, um, I don't know how to measure success. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to challenge my fears. I like to, to find new things that constantly inspire me. Uh, when I got tired of the photojournalistic business rat race, um, I started doing art photography. And that was fun to do, um, not lucrative at all, as painting is not particularly lucrative, but we're doing it because we love doing it. Um, and it becomes part of my personal evolution. I, I, I approach painting the same way that I approached that feeling that I had when I went from photography to acting in that, okay, I need to open things up. I need to discover what's going on here. I need to find out what's holding me back and I need to find out where I can grow and how that growth can manifest. Uh, that's what happens, in fact, in my relationship with Jeannie and in my relationship with art. Uh, and what I have learned through the years of actor training. I spent a lot of time training as an actor, um, which was, pro- I think, those years. Was that enjoyable? Uh, it was so satisfying. It was so satisfying because you've got to really reach. And um, on the one hand, you're reaching. On the other hand, you're not reaching at all. You're just allowing things to unfold, but being open to what that is. But you have to create an environment for that. And was your family supportive of you being in these more artistic fields? Um, and did you come from an artistic question. family? No, not at all. My dad was a metallurgist. Um, I, I guess so. I guess they were, but it wasn't like go out there and you know uh, knock them dead. You know, they always say you know if you're the, to the parents of, of actors. Uh, you know, when you grow up, we'll get a real job. Well, you know, there's just so much value in pursuing art. Um, you learn so much about yourself. You learn so much about the world. And, had and you, getting you, along with people, interaction. Well, I was going to say, and, and you must have that skill to have been so successful with your photojournalism. And did you feel, I mean, I looked at your pictures, I'm like, oh, Debbie Harry, 1980, whatever. Like, that's pretty much the peak. And, and the same as Peter Jennings and, and the political leaders at the time. Were you feeling that? Were you feeling, you said, it, how, a difficult time measuring success? Were you, did you realize that you were sort of at the pulse of many nations at that point that you were in the mix of what was happening in, in all the areas I didn't really think about it in those terms I was just having a really good time it. I was Much I was better. able to pay the bills uh, I was able to travel 
And uh, it's very satisfying seeing your name, getting your byline next to a photograph, whether it's the in a magazine or a newspaper or whatever it happens to be. It's, it's very gratifying. And, and so what was the shift like from acting classes where you are really being um, challenged and prolific and connected with your other actors and acting itself to then going out and auditioning, which I think is an extreme opposite experience in all levels. How, how did that suit you? Um you know, sometimes I measure each audition the same way I measure each photograph. The photograph works. Uh, it doesn't work. Hopefully it works more often than not. When an acting gig, whether it's an audition or not, works, it's a tremendously gratifying experience because it's like nothing else. You have to be present, absolutely present, emotionally, physically, spiritually, intellectually, and sexually. And to be that conscious and that aware and that open without being controlling uh, is is not easy. I, I have tremendous, I think for of all of the arts, I, I admire actors the most. And so did you feel vulnerable to other people's opinions of you in those auditions? Or was it more you, you were judging yourself as to whether or not you had shown up in all those areas you just described? Both. Just that simple, both. All right. So... Jeannie, we're going to talk a little bit about your career before we meld the two. Um, you said when you were five, you knew you wanted to be an artist. How did that come about? And were you thinking, this is what I'm here for? Or this is what life is here for? And and sort of what did you think when you were th- had that thought or that feeling? Um, it was a feeling more than a thought. And it wasn't that I wanted to be an artist. It was that I'm an artist. It was like a, a knowing. I'm mm-hmm. an artist. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what it meant. Um, and maybe still now trying to figure out what is really what does that mean? To me, um, as a child thinking that way, uh, I'm the youngest of five children. And um, we were born and raised on a farm. There was always a lot to do and, you know, chores and so on. And... Um, so my escape, it was tough to find my space. So my escape was really in my own head, in my own soul, in my own what I would dream about and how I would look at the world and the sky and the colors and so on. And and I love living there. I knew that I would never be lonely because I have my space that I go to. And I don't. It, there's no judgment from anyone else because they don't even know what's up there. So then... Um, it's a matter of what, what do you want to share with the world on that? What are you trying to show them? Uh, and once you've gone into schooling, which I, I started actually, uh, five kids, we all had to take piano lessons, and I sucked at it. <laughs> Everyone else did quite well. but I um, And I, I want to interrupt you just for one second, because I also came from a large family. And you mentioned you you knew when you were doing art that you would never be lonely. And I think mm-hmm. most people, and especially people that don't come from a large family, think, oh, well, people that are in large families, of course you're never lonely. And that actually is not the case at all. And I'm just wondering if that was also your experience, that there might be a lot of people around and everyone might be busy, but there still are opportunities for loneliness. It was. It's more of um, interruptions, you know, you, you you don't get to choose. Everyone's your parent, including the next oldest sibling, is your sort of your boss. So so for me it was a matter of 
finding the space to do what I wanted, to have my own thoughts, have them be mine. It was all about having them be mine, I think, finding my space. Um, in a family of seven, and you know, we started with one bathroom and trying to find a little nook to do your homework where you won't have interruptions. And it, I found the only way I could do it was to sort of go inside myself, and I must have done it really young. And I like it there. And so you weren't feeling sort of successful, especially in comparison to the siblings with piano. Was art also something early on that you felt this is something I'm good at? And was that a value? Absolutely. And even when I started school, um, we didn't have kindergarten when I went to school. But I was taken by my older siblings to school, um, you know, was show your little kid day or whatever it is, your little <laughs> sister day. and uh, Bring the cow or the kid. <laughs> well, one day I, re- I remember um, one of my sisters took me to class and I was five. That's about the time I thought I'm an artist. I was five. And to keep me occupied, the teacher who ended up being my teacher later on, the teacher was very artistically prone and she had a little six packs of cans of, of you know, that powder paint that you mix up, and, and I think I had six different colors, and she gave me a sheet of paper and a paintbrush, and off I went. And she praised me to the moon with the lilacs that I painted, and I'll never forget that. And then as I went to school and was trained by her, the same thing. She, she constantly uh, promoted art within me. And so then by the time I was 17, it was my piano teacher who basically said to my parents, you're wasting your money on this one. She needs art classes. So then oh, I started wonderful. private oil lessons and, and, and it went on from there. And, and you, you uh, majored in art, mm-hmm. you had major art grants, numerous private, corporate and government commissions. Mm-hmm. Um, you had your most financial success, you mentioned a little bit earlier, with publishing of your 24 uh, watercolors in galleries mm-hmm. across Canada. And in the 80s, you had your Shoshone Ban Ock sold for your highest price to date. It was kind of the end of your interest in watercolor. Mm-hmm. Was that part of it, or was it primarily just the transition moving and also to a new medium? Or did you sort of feel as well that you had, okay, I've, I've reached that peak? I think, it, it again, it's all of the above. There are so many changes um, from east to west. Still back east, um, there's a lot of Victorian kind of feel to certain areas where I was born and raised. And you come out here and there's, you know, cowboys and Indians and mountains. And um, and there literally was a a Shoshone Bannock, is the way to put it, um, tribe that that did a fabulous dance at Earth Day right here in Ketchum. And I took photographs and I met the chief and we exchanged actually some gifts. I did a portrait of him and I did this large painting that took every day, months and months. I I can't even remember how long I painted them. Probably four to six months to do that painting. And it was the end of me perfecting that medium. And after that, what do you paint? It's, it's, it's not fun anymore. It's not exciting anymore. I wanted to get paint on me. I wanted to just see how colors acted and reacted with each other. And um, the only way to do that for me was just to stop the watercolor completely, get into a new medium and go for it. So to be challenged and, and grow. Yeah. So yes. the audience and I have already identified something you two have in common thus far. So we're, we're building our... Uh our uh, case here and so you had a need for new territory both figuratively and literally mm-hmm. there and in your early 40s you made a conscious choice for radical change from the realistic watercolors to large abstract acrylics which is the medium that you two shared when you began sharing mm-hmm. your medium mm-hmm. among other things and we're going to take a short break and we'll be back in just a moment 
All right, we're back. This is Ellie Neiman and It's Relationship. I'm here with Steve B. Hall and Jeannie Catchpole, and we are talking about their lives and their art and their relationships to both and to each other. And um, we were just kind of talking, beginning to speak about the shift that Jeannie had made and some influential milestones in her life. She moved to the States from Canada, um, later on had a breakup of a 25-year marriage. She had a debilitating car accident, death of her father, and then the flip side of all of that, the relationship with Steve, the counterweight to maybe some things that are really tough to something that was very wonderful. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about what ways these various events had affected her work, and as well as Steve's, whether he attributes sort of distinct milestones in his life to influencing shifts in the creative endeavor. But I'm a little nervous we, we're going to run out of time, so before we do that, we're going to talk about their collaborative work. And I want to start with the painting that this began on. It was a large canvas that Jeannie had been working on for about three years. And uh, she says, after weeks of sort of angst and deliberation, they spontaneously painted on the same canvas. And the result was this warp speed creative growth. So when I read that, I thought, okay, what? there's a little bit of a contradiction in here. Is there deliberation or was it spontaneous? And so I want to start there. How did the idea actually emerge? Was it just, oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated with this. You know, maybe Steve can help me. Or, or, or what was that moment where the idea spawned? I think we have different stories, and so Good. I, I, I'll say mine first because yeah. I think his is a little different. But fr- from my perspective, um, when I, well, actually while I was working on that uh, six by eight foot canvas is when I thought of Steve. So then we didn't get together. He didn't actually paint on it for another maybe year and a half when he ended up coming here to visit. It had been leaning against the wall in my condo, and it had, as you can imagine, after three years, huge history on it. It was, like, really textured, and it was fire, and I loved it, but I was... It's fear. I think most artists do have that fear of of doing that next piece, because when you're close to finishing, and I knew it was close to finishing, um, I just didn't know where I needed to take it. Then Steve came along, and he looked at it, and see, my perspective is that he said, you don't know where to take this, do you? And I was like, no. And you could tell he just didn't want to touch it. do you know it, but- that it has to go somewhere? I mean, is that how you know it isn't finished, because you know it still has somewhere to go Absolutely. As an it, it's almost like it tells you. It Once a painting gets to a certain point, it guides you. You can try and lead it somewhere, but but if you're open and free with the painting, it's going it, to, it leads you. So did the painting invite Steve in? To, <laughs> possibly. To, to and and I could tell that he really wanted to get his hands on it. Uh. And so we had that conversation about uh, the respect of, do you touch another artist's piece or not? Um, and Was that a long conversation? Uh, probably went on, on and off for a couple of weeks, I think. And then finally, when I just said, no, 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 you know what? Go for it. And so it was, I think, like midnight or something in the middle of the night. when he... It was 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay, and so Steve, had was this accurate in the sense of you were looking at this painting thinking, God, I would like to get my hands on, on that? No, absolutely okay. not. I was terrified. I thought, Jeannie had put three years of her life into this thing, and I'll be damned if I'm touching it. And but so where did that, again, still, I'm not quite sure how the idea even got on the table. Because typically you wouldn't think of touching someone else's painting, I'm thinking, for either of you. I think so did a, you put it out there, I think Jeannie? it's a metaphor for he can't keep, keep his hands off of me. 
See, we're back to Harlequin. There we are. I knew it was going to come back yeah. around. But really, because after this painting, which was the spon- spontaneous, whether it was midnight or two in the morning, mm-hmm. where Steve said, I know what I want to do. Are you sure you want me to do this? So you had made the invitation. Mm-hmm. The invitation repeatedly. had been made. Repeatedly. Okay, repeatedly. And once the invitation was made, first I rejected it. I rejected it probably three or four times. and then I Because you're a wise think, man? No, because I was terrified. You know, someone putting that much of themselves into a work of art like that, uh, and it's huge, six feet by eight feet, it was, it was something else. But I woke up one morning, woke up in the middle of the night, and I had an idea. A lot of my ideas come to me in the middle of the night. And I work from impulse. Everything that I do, I, I do not plan my paintings. Uh, when I was a photographer and I was out on a corporate shoot, I'd be trying things to achieve some kind of an effect and I would always get myself into trouble. During the <laughs> process, During but maybe the process, not the result. And there I am, I'm on the clock for somebody else and I'm in trouble and I know it. And it's through that problem solving that I come up with something that I go, wow, that's fantastic. But I never would have gotten there. And were you the same with your approach to an audition? Were you brave enough to do that as well, to let yourself be in that space? When I have, I've been successful, yeah. And the same thing happens with my paintings. Well, I will approach a canvas, I will approach a canvas on impulse, and that's where the canvas will take me. And I don't know where it's going to go. And some of those canvases take years to finish. But when it's done, I go, okay, that was worth it. It was painful at times, but it was worth it. But you're willing to be in that painful part. Absolutely. And had you been experienced with acrylics? Had that been your medium at the time that you'd been working in? No, I'd been working in oils. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> What's going to happen when I put this on that He paper? took to acrylics beautifully. Did you practice with the acrylics prior to that 2 a.m. venture? No, no, no. no I just jumped I in. had an impulse. I woke up Jeannie and I said... You woke up you? prior. Well, I was, I just, you know, it was yeah. instantaneous. Yeah. I said, if you want me to work on this canvas, it's now. And she said, I got to work tomorrow. And I said, you decide. So we were up from about two to four, and the first thing... Did you think about it for a while, Jeannie, or no. was it like, yes? He was ready. I mean, it, it, you could you, feel... Were you ready? You could feel the energy. Yeah. Um, yeah I w- well, I'm not sure I was ready. Because that's handing over your baby. It is, and I'm not sure I was ready for what happened, because I was uh. like, okay, go. And so, you know, we're basically, we get up, we're in our house coats, we're like sleepy-eyed. He, he grabs a brush, um, he, pick, he chooses a color, he threw paint, at, we pulled the canvas up against the wall, and he threw paint at it and I screamed <laughs> so when I told my son this morning he asked who was coming on the show and when I told him who, that I was having you two his first comment was wow interesting I can see that not going very well and uh, I can see her saying why did you put that paint there <laughs> so was your, your it your son needs to come over to our studio one day well the interesting thing to me is once that first throw went down you and, committed and, and I stopped screaming I, I can't remember if I actually said it out loud, but certainly my head said, I get it. No, it wasn't really like that. Okay, Steve. Jeannie loves to plan, and and I can't do that. Uh, Which we, you told us a little bit about your trip to France before we right. started the show. It's very, a good example. Uh, yes, Maybe you can share that. So we got up, and the first thing that happened was we had two or three buckets of water with rags around the canvas. In the meantime, I'm going through my skin because I want to paint. But Jeannie wants to make sure, in case she didn't like it, we could get rid of that stuff. <laughs> right? Okay, so there we are. This takes about 20 minutes to prepare. I'm about ready to go back to bed. The impulse is almost gone. The joy is almost died. That's it. That's right. 
So, okay, so out of us, we had a bunch of tubes of different colored paint, and we were, I was squirting paint initially. Uh, it wasn't brushes. We weren't throwing well, there from was brushes. Throw. There may have been, but that came later. It so, and there was, the there was a scream, and I said, do you want to take it off? And Jeannie said no. So I was getting mixed messages there, clearly, but we kept, kept on going. The painting was all but done that night. We practically finished it that night. I think over the next two or three days, little bits of paint were applied. We put some finishes on it. Um, but we it both was, signed it. Yeah, it was the first one that we and both And did signed. that feel okay, Jeannie, after you had been working on it for such a long time? It did feel it okay. Felt okay. It, it did feel okay. And I really had no idea because this really was such a spontaneous piece and it it's fantastic and the energy resonates that and everyone who sees this painting says the same thing this is fantastic and do you feel like the two of you and this is a question to both of you had at that moment a shared vision whether or not you had discussed it but a shared vision as to where this painting was going or needed to go and and you both knew when it got there when you say you finished it that night I yeah. don't think we shared the vision at all. No, there's no vision. There's there's a knowing when you've arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it was a simultaneous knowing. I mean, you, that's right. At that point, you were both aligned as to it was now complete. That's right. That that particular painting. Since then, I mean, we had no idea if we're going to continue to paint on paintings together. But we do just because it's that again the metaphor of we can't sort of can't stop it. And did you have a conversation afterwards? Did you talk about is this something we want to do more of? No. Was it good? Is it good for us? No. We no. just did it again. You did it again. Mm-hmm. And were you again the initiator of that? Did you pull out the canvas and say, "Steve, do you want to help again?" Or how did that work? Well, I would say when when Steve first visited me here, I probably had many canvases that were midstream, as he does at at his condo in in Toronto. Um, but there was something about mine that this last trip, in fact, he came, he goes back to Toronto a lot. When he came back this last winter, I had a piece that I had started last summer, and he basically said I can't he couldn't wait to get his hands on it because he thought it was so exciting because I think I do provide the history and the the um the planning if you like where he you know I'm I'm you set the stage I'm softening the edges he's sharpening them again he brings that excitement that that I it, it's inspiring to me and and Steve do you have a shared technique would you say do you you approach the work differently, clearly. Yeah, but is your techni- are your techniques similar? No, I don't think so. But I think our aesthetic is. Yes. Except that I don't know when to finish because I will keep going. We just had a, I just had a painting that I finished myself uh, yesterday. Yesterday, <laughs> which is a four by five foot, and I keep wanting to add things, and I keep wanting to add things. Well, of course, when you add something somewhere, you have to add it somewhere else, and it's a matter of that balance. So. Jeannie's great at telling me when to stop, and I don't always listen. <laughs> and so when she tells you, what do you sort of check in with yourself and with the painting and say, well, is she right or not? Am I am I doing that thing I do, or is she not? And, and no, how does I'm that go? I'm constantly checking in. You're constantly, constantly checking in. Checking. Yeah, it's, it's constant. So just a different timeline, you think, in that sense? 
Like Jeannie's like you've spent enough time there. Well, I think or do you get a sense looking at it that no, it's done. It's telling you it's done. I get a sense gen- generally when it's done. Um, yeah, time doesn't have anything to do. No, with it. not at all. Mm-hmm. There's a tremendous amount of time that you spend just looking at the canvas, trying to understand where the what the canvas needs, where it needs to go, and how you relate to that. There are even times when he he might start a canvas and he'll say, "Oh, I love it. It's finished." And I go, "No, it's not. It's not even close." And, I hate that. and you, I was going to say, well, that doesn't feel I good. But, but then what happens when she says that? I realize that that's true and I can put more stuff on it and off I go. And so I want to talk a little bit about navigating and resolving disagreements. Um, let's say while you're working on a painting together, a project together, a disagreement is clearly evolving or is now between the two of you. Do you? sort of continue to push it aside and try to work through it? Do you step back right away and acknowledge it and resolve it? There are discussions. There's sometimes a lot of conversation. Is there a lot of conversation during the painting? I say yes. During the process. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes there isn't. Sometimes things are just going along very instinctively. Uh, Sometimes we argue about various things in the painting. Um, are you good arguers? Do you sort of fight right? I think we are you we're both terrible, comfortable. We're terrible fighters. <laughs> are you comfortable with fighting when we're in your relationship? When is it okay or is it threatening when a fight comes it's up? It's not threatening. It's not threatening. It's just upsetting. Fighting's upsetting, but if it's yeah. not threatening, you're fight. You're fighting right. I would say it's not threatening at all. And when we're when we're fighting or arguing or however you want to say it about a painting. Um, my philosophy, my philosophy generally, and this is about anything, but especially with painting, when in doubt, do nothing. Um, Steve has, he has a tendency to want to keep working at it, and and so if it's a if if he feels really compelled to do that, I'll go, go ahead, can knock you yourself step out. back? I can, and 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 it's going to be what it is. And we're getting better and better at that. That it's going to be what it is. Because with art, you you really can't judge it. If you continued to paint on a painting for 10 years, it would be just a different painting every month. It would be the movie the with the good boy or That's the something right. boy. That's right. And so do you feel or how much are you aware of the painting affecting the relationship and the relationship affecting the, the painting? That's a good question. I'm always astounded at the paintings that we produce Um, because going back to what we were talking about before, not having a plan, not having an idea, when you start with an impulse and it's impulse on impulse and then Jeannie has input or not, it it doesn't matter. It's the same uh, formula for me. I, I sit back and I look at it and I thought, wow, where did that come from? How do I relate to that? Where has that come from in me what am i about what is that painting about who are we and then off you go Mm -hmm. and is the process then as exciting as actually what ends up being produced it sounds like are you in it for the actual process of creating the art together I, i i am absolutely um the process excites me to no end and that's why i continue to do it and i think that's why i felt i was an artist at a very young age i love the process um, and when Steve and I are painting on a piece, uh, I'm thinking of Santa Monica right now. That's the title of a painting we've done recently, where um, Steve will come up with an idea I hadn't considered. It's very exciting when he'll go, well, we need a black square right here. And it's like, really? 
okay, and then you think about it, and then you decide even, I see it, but maybe not the way you do, so you do it, or maybe maybe I'll do it. And then it asks you for a red line around And how it. about and that sort of, well, two things. I think Steve might have, he's definitely thinking about that question as whether it's the mm-hmm. process or the result. But I also want to think about in those moments, how do you make that decision, whether Steve goes and does the black square hole or, or you turn it into something else? I think it depends who has the most passion at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, not, so not who has the paintbrush, who has the passion. No, who who has, has the really, passion. or who has the vision even, who has the vision at the moment. If you can see it and you're ready, go for it. Yeah. I just think that says so much about your relationship that in those intense moments, one of you is willing to step back and allow the other to proceed. I don't think there's any ego involved in what we're doing, which I think is what allows us to do things that excite us in the end. Um, There are a couple of pieces. You know, it's not just high desert traffic. It's not just high desert traffic. Uh, But there was a small piece that we completed about a year and a half, two years ago, and we just named it uh, a week or so ago, the the brightly colored one, the entrance, whatever that was, ended up being called. Oh, okay. I know. Mm -hmm. And it sat there, and it was a really interesting painting, but it just didn't have that little bit of oomph, you know. And all of a sudden, I thought one day, oh, just a little bit of orange here, a little bit of that kind of a shape. Very, very minor. And all of a sudden, that dimension came out of it, which, which brought that painting to life. And do you always work together when you're working on a painting? Or was that something, Steve, that you did independently, that you thought that needs that and you went ahead and did it? I and went is ahead that and okay? did it because I just felt That's like the it was absolutely the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then it was done. We put a, a you know a coat of finish on it and boom, it was done. Mm-hmm. It was done before, but it just didn't and have And were there spark. agreements made about that? Or was that just how the process developed? On that wants to jump in they can um they can jump in if they can unless we say otherwise i have a four by five foot piece going on right now that it's mine and and so i've told him this one's mine but i could change my mind mm-hmm. but until at some you point do. i might say you know what i want your input but it but right now that one's mine but other ones are um they're up for grabs okay we only have about 10 minutes left we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back and talk about your screenplays and the writing process. So we'll be back in just a moment. This is Ellie Newman on its relationship. And coming up is Norm Leopold with Case in Point starting at 12. We'll be back in just a moment. All right, we're back. This is Ellie Newman and its relationship. I'm here with Steve B. Hall and Jeannie Catchpole. We're just about sadly done with the show because there's so many more questions. But I want to, before we end, talk a little we'll bit come about. Back. Good, good. I hope you do. You're a great interviewer. Uh, thank you. I want to talk about your uh, screenplays. Your first one, High Desert Traffic, what you worked on collaboratively and it went off to Hollywood. It wasn't actually made, but you certainly made some um, headway with that. I want to ask a little bit about the process. I remember hearing um, the two writers that wrote Peter and the Starcatcher talking about how they wrote together and they just switched off alternate chapters and they had an agreement they'd send one and then you could change it and then it came back and you wrote yours what was your process for writing together we could never work that way um, generally, and well, Steve had written some screenplays prior to meeting me, and as I had as well, which is really interesting. Um, but we found the story interesting. Interesting because they were aligned? Well, interesting because we lived these parallel lives. And, you know, when I saw his condo in Toronto, it was the same colors as mine here, exactly. Uh-huh. It was like, what? Canvases everywhere. We lived the same life. And that was appealing. It was, yeah, it was appealing, exciting. Astounding, comfortable, comfortable. comfortable. Yeah. yeah, all those things. Um, but the process of writing uh, 
high desert traffic, it's around that large painting. And, and it's quite a story to have two people in, older, you know, in, later in life, come together from different countries. And this has not been an easy relationship physically to get together with um, green cards and traveling and jobs. We'll and call that politically rather than, than physically, maybe. Yeah, there you <laughs> Because I think you don't have a physical connection. Well, geographically, geographically, geographically. let's say that. So we actually did most of this writing on Skype. And there was a lot of arguments and fighting and so on uh, getting the story down and once again like with the with the visual arts it was I basically wrote the structure and man is he good with dialogue and was that threatening at all for the relationship when that was happening or were you guys secure enough that that was able to to happen safely? you know when you, when you try to write a joke um, a joke is usually because this relationship expense. is about your lives. It is. It is. Uh, but when you're trying to make something move forward and make it compelling and interesting for other people, uh, have some humor, have some depth. Uh, but when a joke comes along, and the other person is offended by your humor, you really have to figure out where did that humor come from? What is that all about? What does that mean in terms of our relationship and who we are to each other? And am I making fun of a certain part of her, which she holds dear? Um, it's extremely challenging. And so there were some tense moments. There it, were days when we would say, we need to take a 48-hour break. Uh, from we, the screenplay or from each other? From the screenplay. From, well, or for Steve, were, maybe both. From both. Uh, there were times. There were times. I don't. I don't remember ever not <laughs> having a day when we didn't speak. There were times when we could not go further with a particular scene because we would spend a week digging into the meaning of it. What what is this really about? And do you think that ended up fostering relationship? Because not only are you on one side thinking, "Am I making fun of something she holds dear?" But is she or he reacting to this because it's an area of vulnerability? Absolutely. I think I think absolutely because these are these were. The characters were us. We gave them different names, but the characters were us. So I was protecting Julia, mm-hmm. who was Jeannie. I was protecting, he would say, Julia did, he would in, say an action scene, Julia did. And I'd say, Julia would never do that. Oh, no, yes, she would. No woman on the planet would do that. And I'm protecting the women by saying, she's mm-hmm. not going to do mm-hmm. that. And we'd have this push-pull argument, and it, it had, had to do with Steve versus Jeannie. It had to do with male versus female. Um, it was it was a pretty intense time. Intense and how rich. Yes, very much so. Extremely rewarding. Mm-hmm. You know, we sent it off to a friend of a friend of a friend who's a uh, manager in, uh, in L.A. He called us back in 48 hours and said, I love this thing. And we were able to get it. You know, it's some... fresh and it's real and it's, well, that's because it was about us. And, and we're almost out of time, but you have one more, and I'm just thinking, yeah, now you've got to do a screenplay about writing the screenplay. Um, but you have one now that you're working on, and I want to say it incorrectly, Wapoos? Wapoos. Wapoos. Does that mean something? Wapoos is a, a, a teeny tiny, it's a town really, isn't it? Oh. But it's, it, there's a marina it's on a marina. Lake Ontario called Wapoos Marina. All right. We're going to have you both back to tell us about that and, and the current art projects that, that you're working on. As I wanted to talk about those, and I didn't get to mention that. We have just maybe, well, we don't even have it. But when you come back again, your goals for the art, the relationship, and, and life. So that'll be our next show. All right. Great. Sounds like a good Thank time. you, Ellie. Thank you both so much for joining Thanks, me. Thanks, This that is Ellie great. Newman, and this is It's Relationship. Until I see y'all again. Till I see y'all again.
Until I see y'all again Until I see y'all again Lately, more than ever, I have missed community But my love for most of y'all is individuals So maybe I 